I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart. And close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. Now take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go. Let any tension in your body go. And let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. And exhale out loud with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to To Be Honest, and welcome to our first-time listeners. That time of the year is fast approaching. Yes. If you have been with me for a while, you know that my favorite time of the year is Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now, of course, not everyone celebrates Thanksgiving or Christmas. That's not my point. My point being, holidays are never quite the same after someone we love dies. Even small aspects of a birthday or Christmas celebration. An empty seat at the dinner table, one less gift to buy or make, can sometimes serve as jarring reminders of how our lives have been forever changed. To be honest, these realizations are hard to face, of course, 
However, we shouldn't avoid them or try to hide our feelings. Think about it. Grief is a universal experience, and when we can connect, even with the unpleasant experience of grief, I have no doubt it is better for our common humanity. Mind you, scientists have been studying what happens in our brains when we experience grief, and recent studies show that grieving is a form of learning, one that teaches us how to be in the world without someone we love in it. So, in a way, the background is running all the time for people who are grieving, thinking about new habits, new ways, and how they interact now without that person in their life. If you have not figured it out yet, today's topic is grief and loss. Grief is the natural emotional response to the loss of someone close, such as family member or friend. Grief can also occur after a serious illness, a divorce, or other significant losses. Grief often involves intense sadness and sometimes feelings of shock, numbness, anger, or even denial. In other words, one can also say grief is the response to any kind of losses. Once upon a time, a client of mine defines grief as a process of being alive to the sadness of the past as we are moving through the present. To be honest, I find the definition quite poignant. Well, let's face it: it was only a couple of years ago that we were all grieving. The grieving was so deep back in 2020. It was all-encompassing because the world was grieving. COVID-19 was everywhere. People were dying everywhere. The grief around us magnifies our own grief for us and for so many others. We were all dealing with a pandemic sadness that intensifies all other losses. I don't know about you, but it seems that it's not that long ago, and yet it is that long ago. However, I'm sure many of us are still grieving, and here's one point I wish to emphasize: maybe you are grieving for someone whom you have lost a couple of years ago, or you are someone who has just lost their mother. It doesn't really matter. The truth is that there is no way to portion our grief. Loss is loss, and our sadness is real. Whether what we are grieving happened just now or years ago, I have two favorite U.S. journalists. One is Christian Amanpour, and the other is Anderson Cooper. For the benefit of those who do not know who Anderson Cooper is, he is an American broadcast journalist and political commentator from the Vanderbilt family. He is the anchor of the CNN news broadcast show Anderson Cooper 360. Recently, he has started a podcast, and the name is All There Is with Anderson Cooper. Here is the intro to his podcast, and I quote: "Anderson Cooper takes us on a deeply personal exploration of loss and grief. 
he starts recording while packing up the apartment of his late mother, Gloria Vanderbilt, going through her journals and keepsakes, as well as things left behind by his father and brother. Cooper begins a series of emotional and moving conversations about the people we lose, the things they leave behind, and how to live on with loss, with laughter, and with love. There are only eight episodes, and I highly recommend you to have a listen. His guest's viewpoint on loss and grief is poignant, insightful, and even profound at times. My intention for this episode is not to tell you how to grieve, because we all grieve differently. However, having said that, whenever we encounter any kind of losses, we need to go through the grieving process in order to maintain our mental and physical well-being. One of the common losses that requires grieving. Is the loss of one's childhood, and here is what Elizabeth Corey shared with us on July twenty ninth, two thousand thirteen, on Psych Central website. And I quote: "Grieving my lost childhood, I have been in recovery for a while now. Most days I feel pretty good. Most days I can keep my anxiety from paralyzing me." Most days I function well. However, I don't have to look far to see my pain. All I have to do is think about my parents. Last night I was watching a TV show, and a woman was grieving the loss of her mother to cancer. It had been about nine months since her death, but since the woman was planning her wedding, she was particularly upset. I could feel the intolerance building up inside of me. I may have even rolled my eyes. I thought to myself, "At least you had a mother. This doesn't happen every time." My compassion has come a long way, but last night the feelings were there. I have several primary emotions associated with my parents. First, there is the anger. Several years ago, it was rage. In therapy, I could scream at the top of my lungs. I could plot their deaths. I could beat a couch cushion with a bat until my arms wouldn't work anymore. It was the first major emotion I reconnected with. There was a lot of it, and I was fairly comfortable expressing it. I can even say it was easy. I don't have an issue with anger because, to me, it isn't vulnerable. It feels powerful. Unfortunately, there was some intense grief behind the anger. I am not okay with expressing that. I don't do sadness. Sadness is vulnerable. To me, vulnerability was the same as death when I was a child. In my family, you didn't show weakness. It was always used against you. I didn't cry ever. It took a while to get to the point where I could grieve as an adult. Honestly, I have only grieved substantively in the past two years. I hate it. It still feels weak to me, and clearly, I still judge others who do it. There's one problem, though. It's the only way for me to heal. It is critical to my recovery. 
grieving is different for me than those who have lost parents through death. My parents are still alive. I grieve the fact that they were never real parents. I grieve what I always wanted them to be, like little orphan Annie. I grieve the little house hidden by a hill with the piano playing and bill-paying parents, and that never happened for me. As a child, I remember looking at houses in my neighborhood and wondering if they had a real loving family. I wondered if I could go live with them. I wondered if I could get someone else to adopt me. Obviously, these were not the most realistic musings on my part. But I was a child. I also grieve their reaction to me in recovery. Some part of me still wants them to apologize. I want to hear them acknowledge that they were wrong. Of course, I know this won't happen. If they acknowledge it, they are admitting to a federal crime, and they won't do that. They just tell people I'm lying. They continue to weave their web of deception and hope they can hold it all together. So I grieve for the acknowledgement that won't happen. Grief is bad, but fear is the worst. Fear was the primary motivator in my family. Do everything right or else. There were plenty of nasty consequences. My parents were willing to use any form of abuse. Nothing was consistent either. One day, something small could spark a rage-filled attack by a parent. The next day, I could burn down the house, and they wouldn't even notice. Today, the fear is bad because it feels the most justified. It is the hardest emotion to attribute solely to my childhood experiences. As I speak about my abuse, which was considered the worst offense in my childhood home, some consequences still seem realistic today. If someone is capable of the atrocities that my parents committed in my childhood, who is going to stop them from committing a crime now? There are some days that I am sure my father is standing outside of my house with a gun. Logically, I know that people who abuse children are cowards, but I still know what they did thirty years ago, and that is hard to ignore. Now it may sound like I spend my days inundated with anger, sadness, and fear, but that is not true. In the past few years, I have recovered enough to experience true happiness and even joy at times. I know that the worst part of my journey is behind me. I know that I can build that family that I longed for as a child. I know that it is up to me now. That I have the power to make my dreams come true. I know that I am no longer reliant on others to do the right thing. I am back in the driver's seat, and that is something I can be happy about. Unquote. There you have it, my audience. Grieving the lost childhood. If you also have a traumatic childhood, please make time to grieve for that loss. And if you don't know how, feel free to contact me or another professional. So thank you for listening. Until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to grieve for your losses. Bye for now.
you can find this podcast. To be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www. drbarbarakiao. com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O. com. 